0: A podcast one production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. Today, it's Jobs of the Future. We've talked about killer robots, which was a very disconcerting episode, by the way. Keith didn't <laughs> sleep for days after that. But no, now we're talking about, in the same sort of vein, I guess, Jobs in the Future and how, well... How many are not going to exist? That's right.
1: Well, we hear a lot about um, artificial intelligence killing jobs. So Mm -hmm. a lot of jobs that are currently done by humans will eventually be done by machines. The Brookings Institute in the United States, in Washington, D.C., has said that about a quarter of U.S. jobs are under threat of being automated, particularly the repetitive and boring ones. I found a report called uh, Careers of the Future, 42 Professions of Tomorrow, which is actually going the other way. Instead of just complaining about the loss of jobs, because we know those jobs are on the way out, but what they have done is to create 42 jobs that could exist into the future. So in other words, this is an optimistic article saying in effect, look, you've got to be ready to retrain for new jobs that will arise. You've got to be open. You've got to be flexible. You've got to be resilient. But you will be rewarded because the jobs are there. We hear so much about people just saying, oh, the jobs are all going to go. Everyone's going to be unemployed. But in fact, here we have 42 jobs that could be done or could be advertised in In the future. So, I thought what we might do is just run through some of these jobs. So, at the top of their list is what they have the data detective. In other words, that uh, people leave vast amounts of data online, and in the near future, companies will need data detectives to go through all of it and generate answers to business questions and make recommendations based on their findings. So if you think about all the data, for example, you walked into this building and you had to swipe a card in order to get into the building and onto this floor. So they are collecting your data. So they're able to measure how often you walk into this building. So if you think about all the times you swipe cards and you're leaving a series of breadcrumbs, if you like, that people can track down All the things that you're doing. And so data detectives will have to identify and examine data sets from multiple sources, uncover new sources of data, mix, compare, and analyze data sets from multiple data sources. And write reports and present their findings to the company. So that requires creative thinking and a a lot of
0: data analysis. Exactly, very dull.
1: Very well, okay, maybe (laughs) dull, but it's a job, Kate. It's a it's going to be a job. Yeah. Another one is to be your own IT facilitator, information technology facilitator, which sounds a bit like an Uber like IT person. The focus will be to combine a company's shadow IT operations with its workplace strategy with the aim of being uh, to create an automated self-serve IT platform. So shadow IT isn't anything new. So what they're aiming to do is to find ways of improving the workplace using IT. Another one will be what's called an ethical sourcing officer. So ethical sourcing offices exist for when corporations decide they want to have decisions guided by what is ethical and not is what is profitable. By the way, I might say that American corporations in the last few weeks have now changed their thinking about what a corporation is about. In the old days, which starting at about say forty or fifty years ago, the corporation was there to make money for the shareholders. They are now saying we have, as companies, responsibilities towards the wider community and towards our suppliers and our customers, as well as our shareholders. So the ethical sourcing officer will be based upon that because they're saying that the ethical sourcing officer will be in charge of touring all the factories and ensuring that every every step in the manufacturing process are in accordance with ethics laid down by the company. The big issue here, of course, would be sporting shoes, which, as you know, are made by children in appalling conditions with children who don't make enough money to be able to buy their own sporting equipment. So what we're now looking at will be to say, well, we will have ethical sourcing officers who will be able to check that things are done properly and are not exploiting human resources.
0: But I don't understand how that's not a job that can exist already, Keith. Surely it does. There's so much pressure on these companies to make sure that their product is being made to ethical standards.
1: They should be, not always. Now, I've been involved with the Anti-Slavery Society and we have carpets that are now not made by children and we have a logo to show the carpet is not woven by a child. Children are used to make carpets because they have got nimble fingers. But it means that they go blind by the time they're thirty, working on the the very intricate weaving. So we now have for the anti slavery society, we have a logo on that carpet showing that it was not made by slave labor or by child labor. This should be right the way across the board. But it's not. You know, look at all the scandals you get, you know, people getting trapped in burning warehouses and factories, et cetera, in Bangladesh and elsewhere, working in appalling conditions. So this will be a job of the future as well as, well, hopefully it should be a job of the moment, but certainly will be one of the future as consumers become much more ethically aware of how their garments or whatever are being made.
0: Yes, it feels like there's a bit of momentum in that area already. There has been for the last few years. Yeah, we can build on that. Where are those rugs being made? Which countries?
1: Well, the one that used to worry us was particularly Iran and Afghanistan. It's in the Middle East.
0: Oh, mm. okay, yeah. Well, I guess that's where most rugs come from. That's,
1: that's right. Yeah.
0: Sorry, and continue. So continue. I've yep. got forty-two to go. Oh my story. god! I'm try. <laughs> How? Okay, no, no,
1: go, come on, let's give it a crack. So we've got master of edge computing. Currently, as we use cloud computing services. All data goes to a massive centralised data centre owned by a few companies like Amazon or Microsoft or Google or IBM. But it may well be more efficient and practical to process the data where it is collected. So instead, we will end up with overhauling the current internet infrastructure of a company into a decentralised one, which will do the computing locally. Instead of putting all of your faith in a distant cloud, my guess is that in your company, you are storing your material. It's clearly not in your building. It may well be in China. Who knows where your cloud is? So the argument here is that actually it'd be better for you to have it on your own premises rather than storing it in some foreign country. So that's another job that's that's opening up. Another one is uh, what's called a walker-talker. In other words, the world population is ageing, And most countries in the world are experiencing an increase in both the number and proportion of older people in their population. In the near future, there will be a need for senior citizens for people to talk to. So the walker-talker job will be just that, talking to elderly in need of companionship, listening to them and taking the more mobile of them out for a walk. Now, we have in Japan already a whole new category of young women who work with shut-in young males. So these are are young males, so they're late teens, early 20s, early 30s who just sit in their bedrooms all day and they, they just don't want to go out into the outside world. And so what we see in Japan has been a whole new career opening up for women who can befriend these people. They're not prostitutes or anything like that. They're just there to talk and to encourage them to go out and have a look at the outside world. This is in Japan. Also in Japan, I might but, say.
0: But also just quickly, um, just on that note, I mean, as we know, through huge amounts of research on around the world, the people that live the longest are the ones that are in environments which are community-based and they do have those people to talk to. And there is that sense of loneliness. I mean, we're a country that's going to have, we're an ageing population and we're also not having enough children. So no. this huge void will be there. For-
1: Absolutely, yeah huge. So that's a whole new uh, job opportunity that could open up for people, the walkers and the talkers. Already in Japan, you have people who will ring your parents for you and talk to them at weekends, They by having to ring my father in England. And so they will also, of course, even here in Australia, we have people who walk your dog for you. Mm. Yeah. So we're, we're beginning to move down that path. So yeah. you need social skills to be able to do that job properly.
0: I rate that one. That's a, in, a more of the interesting one. Some of those are very dull on that list. <laughs> Let's choose the highlights only.
1: <laughs> well, you know, highlights for one may not be a highlight for another. Very true. Another one is an AI-assisted healthcare technician. So Watson, that is now the smartest machine in the world, it, it wins Jeopardy. It's very good at other games like chess, etc. Watson is now being used to store medical information because your own GP has to keep up to date with a certain amount of training, but no human can keep up with the speed of medical research. So all this medical research is being uploaded into Watson. And so what you need is a person who will go between Watson, the computer outlet, and your patient. And so you would have this AI-assisted healthcare technician who will be the intermediary between the uh, link through to Watson. Watson, by the way, is named after the founder of IBM. Yeah. right. right good. So Watson will be able to diagnose the illness, but Watson will also need to say to the technician, check the person's pulse, check the person's other vital signs, etc." And so you need that human being as the intermediary between the patient and Watson, who's going to be brilliant at diagnosing problems.
0: Yeah, interesting.
1: A real threat to the medical profession, I've got to say, but there are whole new skills that are opening up there.
0: Exactly, that's what I mean. And, you know, you should keep them on their toes. Yep, absolutely. This is Global Truths with Dr Keith Souter. We're working our way through a very interesting list today. Of jobs of the future that's been published. It's it's 42 of these new jobs that will in, exist in the future. Yeah, Keith, I mean, we're stopping on the ones that are probably
1: more interesting,
0: but <laughs> it's, a, it's a vast list. Continue on your way, Keith. Yeah,
1: I might just say that the, the essential issue with these jobs, and these are just examples about what will exist as professions of tomorrow, but what is important is that you've got to be able to get people out of the former coal mining towns in West Virginia, and are getting them to agree to be retrained. That's the key component. That's going to require political leadership. Or if you take them out of parts of Australia, which are very run down, people sitting around being very negative, worried about their future, you've got to be able to give people the prospect of them being able to better themselves if they are willing to learn. That's the key component. So education remains very important and willingness to learn new things. So that's that's underpinning all of these 42 suggestions. Yes, yeah,
0: interesting to think what universities, what moves universities and TAFEs will take in light of this information, like whether they'll move to facilitate these kind of courses
1: or, you know, well, my own view is that universities are going to end up as stranded assets. In other words, assets are important, but stranded because there won't be the demand for them, a bit like we're moving towards with coal mines. In other words, important, but no longer the demand for them. So I think that because one of the complaints that I come across with students is that they will say, I've spent four years learning a subject and I hardly have applied what I've learned. So I think in the future, we will always have education but we won't always have universities. So we might have micro-credentialing. So you have somebody who's going to become, well, let's say one of them on the list here, financial wellness coach. In other words, someone who could be an advisor to people on how to handle their money, which we're supposed to have in Australia because of financial planners and superannuation, although we've had problems with the um, Royal Commission revealing all sorts of uh, difficulties, should we say. But you would need be willing to be educated to become a financial welfare coach. Now, you shouldn't have to take four years for a degree in finance. What you would do is to get a micro-credential, which might be a, an online training course lasting, say, three months. You're then qualified and you could then take on that role as coach and then it'll possibly upskill yourself. You know, you've got to do uh, continuing professional development points, CPD points. But you wouldn't need to do four years in a finance uh, degree.
0: Which is probably... Bang on the money, I've got to say. I did a whole degree in comms and it was, <laughs> I don't reckon I've utilized any of it. Yeah. You just forget all the stuff you learn, then you learn on the job.
1: Exactly. The majority of things. Yeah. Just so a this is. I think we probably need to have a whole new program on I what's know. going on on the future of universities totally. and education. That's mm. a whole new revolution of its own. Just working through my list of forty-two. Um, another one is uh, this is a company called Cognizant that will talk about digital tailoring. So um, companies will require digital tailors that will make use of cutting-edge technology to make customers' measurements. The clothes will then be produced and the tailors will return them for the final fitting to ensure lower return rates through selling customers' perfectly fitting clothes. So the machine will be able to measure, perhaps with a game of the human being working between the machine and uh, the actual well, customer.
0: Definitely market for that because no one wants to pay the prices in Australia. So you go to Asia and you do it when you're there because it's a lot cheaper.
1: Exactly. So here you'll be able to employ Australians doing that intermediary work. So we'd be able to create some more jobs locally. Now there's another one that's um, chief trust officer. The future holds immense interconnectivity between investors and companies. Will have no choice but to be fully transparent because of an increase increase of secret cryptocurrency transactions. Suspicion will be abundant and this is where the trust officer will step in. These individuals will be responsible for clearing suspicion and showing investors that the money that they are putting their company into is used with the utmost integrity. Companies will need individuals with the combined financial and regulatory acumen needed to deal with traditional and cryptocurrencies with the public relations expertise to maintain a positive public image that upholds our organization's financial and public integrity. So
0: have all of that and the skills of a salesperson <laughs> be able to talk the talk.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Another one is a personal memory curator. No yes. way. So uh, Cognizant, that uh, has been responsible for some of this research, expects that advances in memory and other brain-related health care will lag behind the increased life expectancy of people. To decrease the stress of senior citizens from their longevity, it will be necessary to use a virtual reality to create worlds for them to inhabit. The Personal Memory Curator will use the experiences of people to create realistic simulations of their past. Curators will also be responsible for managing the advanced memory statement before the onset of memory fail. So you'll be able to live forever through your memories, which could be stored in the cloud or whatever item you want to store it in. But in the meantime, with your memory going, you will be able to relive your childhood in a virtual reality. That's extraordinary. It is.
0: Isn't it? Like this is stuff from the movies we grew up with that you think you thought would never actually happen. <laughs> yeah. This along with your bloody killer robots thing as well.
1: <laughs> well, this is the optimistic side of Moore's Law. You know, we deal with the negative stuff of Moore's Law. <laughs> this is the optimistic stuff of yeah. Moore's Law. Yeah. And the increasing power of computers. It is ex- quite extraordinary. I mean, we
0: can't really go through the list of forty-two, Keith, but when you look back on it, what is is there a theme? Is there and is there more importantly, is there a way that people can get themselves ready and that's in the, the mindset issue. for these future jobs because and you've got a lot of, you know, taxi drivers and also you know, there'll be driverless cars in a few yep. years. A whole There's a lot of people that will not have jobs.
1: So that's why I talk about the need to listen out for the faint signals of change, to reduce the risk of being taken by surprise, to look at what options exist out there because there are plenty of new options. As computer destroys jobs, so it creates new opportunities for work. But it depends on your having a good mindset which will make you enthusiastic to look for new work options. That's the key thing. And that's the thing that worries me because people get so negative about the future and they say we're just going to be overwhelmed by killer robots or whatever that they blind themselves to the opportunities that exist out there for themselves to remain in the workforce doing jobs which have not yet been invented. Mm. So this report, The 42 Professions of Tomorrow, is looking at what new jobs could exist for people if they were willing and eager to take up these new jobs. That's the challenge. It's it's not one of technology. It's one of the human spirit. Are people willing to go into the future with hope rather than with fear?
0: Oh, look at you. I love when you get passionate about something. <laughs> Thank All, you. Always most informative. Thank you. This has been Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. It's recorded in the studios of Podcast One. Producer is me, Kate Mack. Production assistance by Matt Dwyer. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. And for more episodes, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au or download the Podcast One Australia app.